We want to welcome you to the Bible teaching ministry of Fellowship Bible Church, where our desire is to honor God by faithful obedience to His Word. If you want to understand the Bible better, please continue to listen as Pastor Matt Postiff explains and applies the biblical text one verse at a time. You can reach us with questions or for more teaching audio and print material at our website, fbcaa.org. You can also watch our services live at fbcaa.org live. We want to thank you for listening and pray that you will be edified. Join us now as Pastor Postiff opens God's Word. Let's uh, take our Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 1, please. Thank you for coming tonight to our prayer meeting and then to our Bible study here as well. We are in Acts chapter 1 still, and Second Luke, we might say, or the history of the early church, as we suggested last time, or a few times ago actually now. We, are looking, uh, we were looking at the matter of the death of Judas, the one who betrayed the Lord, and we spent a little time in 18 and 19 of chapter 1 doing that, but our point is not to uh, carry on with that discussion today. We did end last time with the, discussing the difference between regret and repentance, uh, speaking some of the self-centered nature of regret and the God-centered nature of repentance. You might remember that. But now we're going to go backwards in the text to verse 15. And what we're going to see is uh, that the disciples uh, discern a need to replace Judas. It starts in verse 15. Let me read. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples altogether. The number of names was about 120. And said, Men and brethren, this scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David, concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered with us and obtained a part of this ministry. And then it goes into the description of what happened to Judas. Verse 20, skipping down there, it says, For it is written in the book of Psalms, Let his dwelling place be desolate, and let no one live in it, and let another take his office. Perhaps your Bible has those highlighted as quotations. Mine sets them off in a different indentation to be able to see that more easily. These are from the Psalms. And then in verse 21, it's, or sorry, 25, it says, To take part in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. So I've, I know I've skipped around a little bit in the verses, but my, I'm just gathering together the verses that have to deal with the need to replace Judas, and then we'll actually look at the process that uh, was used to replace him. Now, this is kind of an interesting little question. What about the need to replace Judas? In the immediate sense, the need arises because Judas uh, is spoken of, it says in verse 25, that he fell from his office by transgression and left a hole in the original group of the twelve, thus uh, so doing. And he had been numbered with them. He had obtained an apart, a part in the apostolic ministry. But as we know, he was a fake. He was a betrayer. He was not a believer. He was a, the prototypical and leading person that we might call a Judas <laughs> because that's what his name was, and thus his name is passed down to all those who would be 
uh, a betrayer like uh, a Benedict Arnold or something like that, some other famous character in history. He sinned with the result that he went to his own place, verse 25 says. His departure and sin, into sin and into perdition was the reason for his replacement. Now, when it says that he went to his own place, that's like his assigned place, the place for which he was destined. This is like the book of Romans when God says that, uh, Paul says that God has made some vessels for wrath and others he has made for mercy. And uh, let me just point out a couple of texts that uh, refer to the same notion of this place of perdition in John chapter 17 and verse number 12. The Lord says, while I was with them, this is in the high priestly prayer, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me, I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition that scripture might be fulfilled. The son of perdition. You know what perdition is? We all sometimes may think of it just as a synonym for the final abode of the wicked dead, but it's kind of like the idea of destruction, uh, the idea that uh, somebody is destined for perdition is for eternal Hades and ultimately the lake of fire or what we call hell. And in fact, that, so this is the place to which he had been destined. Unfortunately, uh, in order to accomplish the plan of God, it was necessary that somebody betray the Lord, even to, to kind of provide a fulfillment for those texts in the Old Testament. But in Matthew 26, it adds something. It says in Matthew 26, 24, these words, The Son of Man indeed goes just as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. Good for that man if he had not been born. Now, we need not to trouble ourselves that God has forced this man's hand to do something wicked. God does not, he's not the author of sin, nor does he make anyone sin. Judas freely chose, freely chose in his own heart to do the wickedness that he chose to do. No one compelled him to do it, but God designed in his infinite wisdom that he would be the one that would carry out this very terrible deed in the uh, history of the world. So an opening is created amongst the 12. But why, does, why is 12 a number that has to be maintained? What's so important about that? So first of all, let me, to answer that, just say this. It was not his death, per se, that required a replacement. Because if replacement was necessitated whenever an apostle died, then what? Every time an apostle died, they'd add another one, and there'd be 12. And another one would die, and they'd add another one, and there'd be 12, and then so on and so forth. And we'd still have 12 apostles today, right? Can't do that. Uh, we know that's not the case. The office of the apostle does not propagate like that. We see in verse number 22 the uh, uh, requirements for an apostle. Beginning from the baptism of John to that day when he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. 
And so I'll mention this later, but there there are the basic qualifications. From the baptism of John to the ascension, a witness of the resurrection is the only kind of person who can fulfill the apostolic office. And I just ran into this uh, problem again, maybe last night. Uh, looked at, saw some video that somebody had recommended on YouTube about a, a Christian speaker who seemed like he was talking about the gospel, but it kind of said in a caption underneath that this was one of the 12 apostolic churches or something like that. It was, it was kind of just weird, uh, a weird kind of church situation. And so um, I don't have to mention any more about that, but just to say there are no apostles today. If your church claims that it was uh, founded you know, 30 years ago by an apostle, then you probably need to find a new church or else that church needs to revise its theology uh, because probably what's happening is that church is going to be charismatic, speaking in tongues, and all kinds of other things that are unbiblical uh, in, its, um, in its practice. So we're, just because an apostle dies doesn't mean they're automatically replaced. The requirements that are listed in verse 22 prohibit that approach to apostleship. And of course... The Bible is very clear in the Old Testament. No man appointed himself to be a priest. Remember that? And so also, this man, Jesus, was not, did not become a priest except by an oath. That is an oath of the Father. It says in uh, Psalm 110, I've sworn, uh, you know, you are uh, going to be the priest in the order of Melchizedek, it says. Priest forever in the order or according to the order of Melchizedek. So not even Jesus elevated himself to the place of priest but he was put there by his father. And so in the same way, nobody elevates themselves to become an apostle today or any time for that matter. Jesus selects the apostles. But why is 12 again a magic number? I say a magic number, I think you know what I mean, like a special number. Why 12? Why do there have to be 12 of these disciple apostles? Well, here's one idea for you in Matthew. Back to Matthew again, 19 and 28. Matthew 19 and verse 28, the Lord has said, and this has to be fulfilled, it says, So Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me also will sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Or in Luke 22.30, Let me read there, 2230, it says that you may eat and drink in my table, at my table in my kingdom and sit on the thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. So why 12? Well, because there are 12 tribes that need judging. So if Jesus said there's going to be 12, there's going to be 12, okay? Whether you like it or not, that's just how it's going to be. So the number is not a magic number, but simply necessary to provide the full complement of apostles necessary to rule the nation of Israel during the kingdom, one tribe at a time, tribe by tribe. Now, in a more ultimate sense, the need to replace Judas is not just because you need 12. It's not just because he died, but it's because, as Peter explains, Scripture had to be fulfilled. You see that in verse 16? Men and brethren, this scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke before. And then he quotes it down in verse 20. Let his dwelling place be desolate, let no one live in it, and let another take his office. 
Now, I believe this is a fulfillment of the Old Testament by application of Old Testament principles to Judas. And the reason I say it like that is because I don't think that, as far as I'm aware, that there are specific texts in the Old Testament that refer to Judas. Okay, let me explain further. Let's look at Psalm 69:25. Psalm 69 and 25. It says this. Um, uh, let's let me go back to say um, those who hate me without a cause in verse four. My enemies, they're my enemies wrongfully. Verse uh, in 19, you know my reproach, my shame, and my dishonor. My adversaries are all before you. They gave me gall for my food and for my thirst. They gave me vinegar to drink. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Let their table become a snare before them. Verse 25, let their dwelling place be desolate. Let no one live in their tents. Peter takes that in the, the dwelling place. Uh, let no one live there, and then um, and so on down through there. Basically, this is a, a prayer of imprecation against uh, King David's enemies. And you don't see Judas here at all, do you? This is a general text about the enemies of 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 the people of God, of David, and of the greater David. There were that many greater enemies. Let me go to Psalm one hundred nine. Verse number 8, 109.8, it says, Let his days be few, and let another take his office. This is speaking of the mouth of the wicked and the mouth of the deceitful that have opened up against David. They fought against me without cause. In return for my love, they are my accusers. But I give myself to prayer. Thus they have rewarded me evil for good and hatred for my love. Set a wicked man over him and let an accuser stand at his right hand when he is judged. Let him be found guilty and let his prayer become sin. Let his days be few and let another take his office. So these are general texts that are imprecations against enemies and in the latter one Psalm 109, that they're an enemy because they return evil for good. Judas is the ultimate example of this. So don't hear me to say that the Psalms can't apply to Judas. I'm not saying that. I'm saying the Psalms don't refer specifically to him, but they most certainly can apply to him. And I think Peter is saying, this is like that. This is like that. In fact, it's so much like that that it's like the pinnacle example of what David was talking about. Why? Because there was no one more righteous than Jesus who was more betrayed than Jesus. Judas was, there's no worse betrayer than Judas was, who took the perfect man and turned him into the authorities and got him killed in the space of less than 24 hours. Judas is the ultimate human example of a betrayer, of an enemy. 
of one to who, toward whom the imprecations were directed in the Psalms. He betrayed the Lord despite all the good that the Lord had done for him and that Jesus himself had done no sin. Absalom could betray David, but David could not say, I am without sin. In fact, God said, the sword will never leave your house because of what you've done to Uriah and Bathsheba and and all of that. A child from their union died and so on. And so David was unable to claim pure innocence, but Jesus was. So a general principle is given in the Psalms, not a specific prediction, but the general principle certainly was fulfilled in Judas as its kind of highest or worst example. I'll say lowest or worst example. You know what I'm saying. So the Holy Spirit spoke by David. Judas fit the enemy descriptions perfectly. These descriptions, I believe, also can fit other enemies as they seem to do in the original context of the Psalms. And so, in other words, David was speaking concerning others as well, and Judas is the prime example of that sort of thing. So we don't need to go to the extent of saying, oh, wow, we should have been able to find Judas in Psalm 69 and Psalm 109 without the aid of Peter. No, we wouldn't have found him specifically there, but if we had known our Bibles at the time, we would have said, man, Judas seems a lot like those guys David was talking about in the Psalms. That's what that means. And that's how Paul, or Peter rather, can say that the Scripture had to be fulfilled. Okay? It wasn't a prediction, but it was a different kind of fulfillment. Now, we could speak of some other enemies of God similarly, but, but we could not say with Peter about the need for Scripture to be fulfilled. How can Peter say that? Well, Peter's under the superintendence of the Holy Spirit, and Luke is when he writes these words. And so under that superintendence, he can say that this particular Scripture applies to this particular situation and do so infallibly. A couple more points here. Peter tells the disciples that Judas had done his part to fulfill these texts. Now the disciples were going to do their part to fulfill the other side of the equation. Judas transgressed, left his office, and now they were going to make sure that somebody else took his dwelling place. Okay? And he didn't dwell back there again. Okay? Let another take his office. Let his dwelling place be desolate and let no one live in it. And it's kind of a prediction of his death. And then let another take his office. That apostolic office is going to be filled by somebody else. So to them, it seems that it's important to wipe out Judas's place and give it to another person. His memory is not fit to be associated with the apostles anymore. He should not be thought of as an apostle, Judas. Even by an empty seat, he should not be remembered. Does that make sense? Let's suppose that the next apostle who dies uh, in, the, in the list of 12, um, James was an, was, uh, was an apostle, yes, and he was killed in Acts 12, wasn't he? Yes? So let's suppose that he dies. Do they have to fill his office? No, because he didn't by transgression fall from that office. He died in martyrdom in that office. And so if there were 12 chairs here representing the apostles, 
and 11 of them were filled, they might leave and did leave James's uh, seat empty, you know, with a, a white cover on it as a symbol or a memorial for him. But that was done. That office was completed, fulfilled. It wasn't going to be filled again. They, they weren't going to treat it like this. But with Judas, his empty seat, that seat had to be removed and another seat had to be put in its place. That was defiled now. We're going to put somebody else there. Fill the chair and be done with Judas. He's gone to his place. Finished. Now, rarely, final point here, you might run into someone who teaches that choosing the new 12th man was a sinful thing on the part of the apostles. Have you heard that before? They shouldn't have done that. They shouldn't have done that. Because, they might say, the apostle Paul was supposed to be the 12th apostle. I don't think so. I don't see any indication of this being a sinful thing in the text. In fact, the requirement of the scriptures to be fulfilled is highlighted. Remember, Peter said it's necessary that scripture that the Spirit of God spoke had to be fulfilled. It doesn't seem like they're approaching this from a sinful angle to me, does it? In fact, uh, notice also the charge to charge these men with sin in their first official act as a group of apostles of the Lord. That seems to be a quite harsh accusation, actually. Unnecessary and uncalled for. Now, part of the reason why somebody might say that the choosing of the 12th apostle was wrong was because of the method that they used to do it. You know, you might prefer that Jesus open up the heavens and look down on the 120 disciples and say, you know, this is my next man and appoint the guy directly. But he didn't do that. He used different means to do that. And uh, we'll just read here and uh, not be able to finish this tonight, but just read. It says in verse 21, Therefore, of these men who have accompanied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John to that day when he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with him, I'm sorry, with us, of his resurrection. And they proposed two, Joseph, Barsabbas Justice was one, and Matthias was the other. And they prayed and said, You, O Lord, know who know the hearts of all, show which of these two you have chosen to take part in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. And they cast their lots, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. So part of the problem that some people have with this is that, well, they cast lots. You know, they rolled the dice for this guy to try to figure out who of the two would get the job. Well, not get the job, who is called to the job. And I'm going to argue next time that although this gets a prominent airtime in our reading of the text, it is by far not the only thing that the apostles did to select the 12th Man, well, you're getting to it right there, but you're going to take away my thunder for next time. <laughs> they didn't just cast lots. If you look at the text, there are four things 
that they did in order to select these, this man, Matthias. The lot fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. But that's only one, of the, that's only one quarter of the process. They had three other parts that they did, and we'll look at those next time, and it will help us to kind of get out of this idea that, oh, well, we can, just like the apostles did, we can cast lots. No, not really. We're going to see that they had a lot more of a process there than the casting of lots would indicate. So that'll be for the next time. It's almost 8 o'clock tonight. It's time for us to ski-daddle so we can get some rest and be ready for tomorrow morning and the busy day that we have, emotional day tomorrow, but uh, trust God's going to carry us through. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for the kindness that you've bestowed upon us to share with us your word. And uh, Lord, thank you that we can see a little bit more tonight about how the uh, apostles were thinking as they faced this first kind of empty place amongst their number and how they thought about fixing that using the scriptures and other means, uh, methods to uh, fill that office. So uh, help us to just process that and digest it and learn it, even though it might not seem directly applicable to us. It may help us to think more biblically and godly in the days ahead. Well, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.